filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster A wonderfully underrated thing, and this is hashtag dad life, uh, that we haven't experienced much and we haven't been taking advantage of as much as we should have is the joy of getting a babysitter. Yes. And I'm, I'm sure Adam can, can sympathize with this. Uh, on Saturday, we went to, we had four parties to go to. Which is many, many parties, especially when you have, even for normal people, but especially when you have a 16-month-old. So the first two we took my daughter to, because it was the uh, Down Syndrome Association holiday party, which was great. They have a really great Santa every year. And then we also went to a two-year-old's birthday party, which obviously, it was just basically a pile of children uh, just running around everywhere. But then uh, my wife's sister came over. Babysat for the rest of the night, and we went to two other parties and actually stayed up until a bar closed for probably the first time in two and a half years. <laughs> we actually had a similar weekend. Um, and almost, and then almost in reverse let, let, me, let me go ahead, let me just finish. And then, um, Lily made us pay for it by uh, <laughs> we got home at like 2 30, and then uh, I woke up. Not of my own volition, obviously, at 6.30, because the baby was like, I didn't go out and party, so I am ready to go. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, on Saturday, some friends of ours in the neighborhood, who we've known before that, um, came over and, and watched our kids with their son, who is uh, a few months older than our, our infant. And uh, it's kind of the first salvo of what we think will become just a an ad hoc babysitting exchange where it's just in kind uh, contributions, a, a, a babysitter's club, perhaps, perhaps <laughs> I was thinking more cooperative or association, but you know what, if you want to call it a club and, um, turn us all into high school girls, then that's, that's okay by me. I'm not going to object to that. At least not strongly. Uh, our, our good friends though, Lauren and Tim got married on Saturday night in DuPont circle and, we got to go be grownups at a wedding for the first time in a while. And even though we were home by midnight and um, hung over the next morning, uh, totally great, totally worthwhile. And then Sunday was kid activities. Take our daughter to her pre ballet class, which is very adorable yeah. and very cute. And then she actually got to go to her first real ballet. Um, and she and her mom went to see the Nutcracker at the Warner theater from the Washington ballet. And it was it was magical and she loved it, uh, even though she was exhausted and kind of throwing a tantrum at the end of it uh, because she's three. It was late and she had had a big day, uh, but it was very cute. Jason, what are your kids doing? Uh, I did no child related things whatsoever all weekend long. Uh, one That's highlight of my weekend was playing football manager. Um where I have uh, taken PISA into first place in Syria with the 16th highest uh, wage bill. So screw all those 
uh, fictional versions of Italian teams, uh, most of which aren't even in the actual Serie A of today. Well done. I, which version you- is this? Is this Football Manager 17, 16, 12? I'm still using Football Manager uh, 2012. I don't know that my uh, laptop can run a higher version of it, so I've stuck with it for the time being. Well, you haven't um, won the Champions okay. League yet either, have you? No, I'm I'm playing this one until Pisa is uh, champion of, of Europe, and then maybe I might go on to try and win the Club World Cup. Um, <laughs> but... This is this is. Are they going to play the Chicago Fire in the World Cup? Uh, in one year in that game, uh, and I swear this is true, the Seattle Sounders won the Club World Cup <laughs> on the back of three one nothing wins in which they barely had any shots. Um, which sounds so, yeah hilarious. Um, that's amazing. But yeah, uh, my my uh, all my plans are coming to fruition all at once, um, and it's pretty spectacular. Um, so what year for is it in, in a video club? game? In the video game, it is the 2018-2019 season, roughly late September. Um, so you're not that far ahead I'm, of the present right now. Right. Um, but uh, this weekend, I, I pushed much further ahead than I had for a little while. Um, oh, I'm also in the Europa League and managed to get a 1-1 draw at Valencia, which is uh, the best result. It's, it's the hardest result or the hardest game in my Europa League group. So I'm probably going to be able to advance pretty easily now. Nice. And that's what you do when you don't have kids. <laughs> you play football manager and run bland errands. I'm just going to sit here and think about it for a minute. You go to Target and wander around aimlessly because uh, you only have three things to get and you don't have like a schedule to keep. Oh, man. Last time. So I've been to Target twice this month. Um, yeah. The first. I hate I hate Target. I don't hate Target. We went to get, uh, I, my daughter and I went to get uh, bath mats and hand towels early in the month. And next, just across the aisle from the the housewares, they had a ton of various Disney like pillow backpacky things and other tchotchkes. Mm-hmm. One of the tchotchkes was a uh, an, an Elsa nightlight from Frozen. Uh-oh. And my daughter saw that, and it, it, it became her single greatest desire. This $15 <laughs> nightlight from Target. And so we came home, and we wrote a letter together to Santa mm-hmm. for this and, and other things. And I think we, we convinced her to put something in for her brother as well that he That's might nice. like. Yeah, you know, you got to teach her it's not just about her and receiving right. gifts. Yeah, because um, her brother can't write yet because... He is not one years old. He is, in fact, one half of a year old. Yes. Uh, and I went back to Target a couple weeks later, and they were gone. Uh, <laughs> they were completely out. And I went online, and Target was completely out, and Amazon was completely out. Oh, uh, it's a debacle. It, it is. I managed to find one on eBay for the regular oh. retail price. and Oh, wow. Which was amazing. Oh, so that, that, you're that's, a, that's a dadding victory. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna claim that one for hashtag dad dad life just to to bring it full circle. Um, but yeah, fulfilled daughter's single worldly desire. Well, I don't. I use the word single pretty loosely. Uh, She'll probably have a different uh, goal pretty soon. Something oh, else. As soon as she opens that present, she is right. three. Uh, <laughs> she she wants things from time to time. 
Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Christmas shopping hashtag dad life podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by my fellow father, Ben Bromley, and the father of Pisa in Football Manager. I just gave you a nickname, Jason. Uh, Jason Anderson. <laughs> We're all from blackandredunited.com. We write about soccer, mostly. Um, and this is our podcast. Tonight, we are talking about DC United uh, in, in just going in a what will probably be a ridiculously deep dive into DC United's offseason and what it is they need and and what they want for Christmas. Um, it's been said that all they want for Christmas is you, listener. Um, that is false. That is a lie. That is somebody trying to flatter you. Don't listen to that person because they need a lot more than you uh, this year. And we're going to talk about that. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I drank all my beer um so i had to keep it simple um so i just went with the classic moscow mule i have plenty of ginger beer um and plenty of vodka so it was the easiest thing i also bought some limes and they're like oversized limes if anything i'm not i'm I'm not they almost look like limes on steroids they're truly Um, top shelf limes i mean i guess they are big they aren't any better than normal limes flavor wise they're fine but they're just larger um but yeah, uh, I had all the makings. I I, mean, I have um, Q brand uh, ginger beer, which uh, I normally get the Fever Tree or the, or Goslings, but um, Target, since we talked about Target already, they were out of both of those. But they had one pack of Q uh, ginger beer, and actually, the I'm I'm pretty impressed with this uh, Q brand. It's it's extremely strong, but that's what I want out of a ginger beer. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. It needs to be it needs to be spicy. It's got like a cardamom note to it as well which is is pretty agreeable in my opinion that's interesting yeah uh i thought of you the other day um i was reading something i don't know if it was from the city paper or eater did did that have to do with maryland it did not it had to do with drinks Uh, it was the they whoever this was i wish i could remember who it was i think it was city paper but i'm not 100 percent sure uh they surveyed bartenders in in the city and asked what the most popular drink orders of 2017 were. And far and away, the winner was an old fashioned. Nice. And I, their description did not involve lots of fruit in it. So it was your old fashioned, old fashioned. Uh. That was really the most popular drink in DC. So mm-hmm. second most popular Moscow mule. So you are, I mean, you are riding yeah, that wave I, right now. I feel like there's like a national thing with the 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 mule drinks, the mule genre now. Um, the last like oh, yeah. two three years, I think they've been pretty much everywhere has like either put a Moscow mule on their menu rather than just having it be a drink someone might walk in and ask for. Right. Um, but some places I've been to, like they've got three or four variants uh, yeah. on top of the norm. Um, I remember even, so that, even no, it's good four or five years ago. Um, some yeah. bars were putting Moscow mules on their menu and getting special copper cups just for the Moscow mule. Right. Uh, apparently they were ahead of their time. If only by a few years, well, uh, you live ben, in the city. I live in the suburbs. So that's true. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Um, I'm, I'm drinking port city, uh, tonight from Alexandria, their tidings, Christmas beer. It's, uh, a Belgian ale brewed with honey and spices. And it is, Christmas AF. It is Christmas Audi Field. 
That sounds pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's actually pretty good. They, they have Christmas lights on the label. It's very pretty and very nice. And it's called Tidings. How can you not get this when you see it at the store in December? Yeah. Yeah. It's tasty. It's also 7.8% ABV. So it's, you know, it's, it's a nice beer. Makes yeah. you feel good. Ben. So I am also in a holiday mood, but I'm going more DIY. Um, I'm doing a simple but delicious uh, hot chocolate and whipped cream vodka. Okay. Yeah, it's nice and the obviously the whipped creaminess helps complement the uh, hot chocolate. It's it's festive. It's curling up with a with a good book on a wintry night kind of drink, or curling up with a good podcast on a wintry night kind of thing. On a mild wintry night. Yeah, on a 60-degree day in uh, in December. Yeah, don't worry. That'll change soon enough. <laughs> Shall we talk about DC United? I guess. Sure. I mean, they, there's a lot to talk about on this. We have a really open agenda. We like we were talking about this before we started recording, and um, at my request, we are just going to willy-nilly our way through this. Um, but Not request, order. Yeah, it's really... I. I get a free hand to wave my iron fist around. Um, this winter, DC United has some work to do. They currently have just over half a team on their roster. They get 28 to 30 slots, essentially. They have 18 players in those slots right now, which, according to math, means they can pick up anywhere from 10 to 12 players that are not currently on the roster. And they will need to pick up 10 to 12 players before the season starts. Otherwise they will, they will face a little, you know, essentially a, a budget charge for players that aren't on the roster below 28 players. So they've got, they've got plenty of work to do. The roster currently consists of goalkeepers, uh, Steve Clark and Travis Wara defenders, Steve Birnbaum, Kofi Opari, Jalen Robinson, Frederick Briant, Nick DeLeon, who I'm counting as a defender right now. And uh, Taylor Kemp, Midfielders, uh, Dirk and Acosta, Ariola, Canaus, Harks, Jeffrey, Stieber, and forwards, Miranda, Mullins, and Maddox, LLP, attorneys at law. Uh, that's it. That's everybody on the roster. There are some players who could, were on the team last year that could come back, could be invited in camp, but right now that is, that's the, the team as it stands. Um, so what do we want to see? this off season is the general theme of, of this show. Uh, ben, where do you want to start? We'll start anywhere on the field you like. Um, I'm going to start with fullback. Start with fullback. Do it. So right now it's Taylor Kemp and Nick DeLeon and no back. That's not great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, depending on how the offseason goes, maybe Chris one or both or neither of Chris Corb or Chris Adwiatsham might be coming back, but they're going to have to earn spots in um, in the preseason. But there needs to be some sort of competition just besides the guys that they've already tried to get rid of. So, uh, and especially at right back, Taylor Kemp can be a very serviceable left back in this league. Uh, if he's starting on your team, uh, he could be the starter on basically any MLS team 
uh, just given the situation. I don't think he's a problem. He provides uh, plenty of offense, uh, enough defense. Uh, he's a serviceable MLS starter. Um, he just showed this year that uh, he needs a good backup, and that's necessary. But especially on the other side, Nick DeLeon is a great utility player, but I don't want – you can have – one person like that starting, but you can't have it on both sides of the field. So I think they need to bring in a starting caliber uh, right back to not just push De Leon, but to really make De Leon try and push him uh, going into the season. Uh, something like when Sean Franklin originally came to DC United, like that level of quality it doesn't have to be that age, but something in that level of quality is what I'm uh, hoping for the team to bring in. Uh, either via intra-league trade or uh, acquisition from outside the league. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, thinking about the fullback situation because, I mean, Ben is right. You can't enter the season with two experienced starters. And, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. The right-back situation would be Jalen Robinson, who we've already established is more comfortable playing center back, or – the left field option would be like Chris Durkin repeating the Perry Kitchen um, rookie season uh, path of playing right back uh, for a while until he got his feet wet and then eventually moving into his more appropriate position. But that's not an ideal situation for him or for right back. Um, and then on, le- on the left, the backup option is moving Dick- Nick DeLeon over and playing one of those guys that is right. already a stretch. <laughs> right. Um, I do – I like the idea of – De Leon and Ariola playing on the same flank because Ariola likes to get far out wide, get near the touchline, and De Leon has that capability of doing the underlap, which is instead of going around the outside midfielder, he's coming inside and being more of a um, – he's one more option in possession, which means I think he'd be really good at being not necessarily someone who creates a lot, but maybe he's that the guy that you play a wall pass to and then all of a sudden you break the team open and then maybe Ariola or Lucho uh, or unnamed designated player striker is creating a chance from there. But you need that pass before Spoiler the pass. Alert. Um, yeah. And De Leon actually showed some of that yeah. um, this past season, especially late in the year. He he would get even shooting opportunities inside the right, box, which, which has happened. Uh, he forced a couple of good saves. He also had some classic, you know, shoot it wide of the right. post. But this is something that that Sean Franklin did really well at his best. He was an underlapping fullback. And, and even if and if De Leon isn't necessarily that guy, if he's not the Harrison Awful where he gets like one shot from within ten yards every single game somehow, um, if he's just a an extra option in possession who can play maybe a little bit more dangerous. He doesn't have to play the most dangerous pass, but he can just play a pass that gets someone in behind or gets someone into a pocket of space that otherwise a traditional right back might not be able to play. I think that's a pretty big deal. Um, the issue of course is there's no depth at all. Um, and yeah, you, last year we saw United go into the season with guys that could back someone up, but not necessarily competition. So um, personally, I'd like to see competition at both uh, spots because, you know, Ben is right. Mm-hmm. You know, Kemp is a solid left back who could play on, a playoff team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that United should just be like, okay, that's that position is set. We just need to find a guy who can play, you know, five, six times without completely losing the game. Um, they should shoot a little higher than that. Um, and the same should be at right back where 
Um, De Leon should walk into the season having to fight for his role. I, I know we've said that about him in like the last three off seasons, but um, I think it's for the best if a player like him is having to battle. If if Nick De Leon is finding it hard to get on the field, this is also something we've said in the past. If he is finding it hard to get on the field, DC United has assembled a very good team because we know how many yeah. different positions he can play. And if he can't break his way in at any of them, then the team in front of him is pretty good. Um, but right now, yeah, especially he's a guy who has never failed to break into right, the right. Team. He's got a long track in his career. He's, he's yeah, always he been able to in one way or another. Um, but right now yeah. we were, we're multiple deals away from being in that position. Um, and I don't want to see just, well, let's sign a high quality right back. And then De Leon is competition for that guy and for Kemp because De Leon played what? Six, seven left games at left back last year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to see that be the end of it. I, I think they should be pressing for strong competition at both because when United has played well, the fullbacks are heavily engaged. And when United has had bad seasons, the fullbacks have been a non-factor. And last year, Taylor Kemp went from 2016, he had six assists. Last year, he had none. Um, and that kind yeah. of underlines the yeah. whole thing. I feel I, I feel like a, a – perfect situation for that would be getting an experienced starting caliber right back and like a uh, up and coming promise filled, but not starting day one in March left back, but somebody who has a ton of upside. Unfortunately, I don't I know could, if that's coming I, out of the draft, so that might be hard to find. Yeah. I, I'd be no, fine. Yeah. I mean, a young talented that, 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 at either side, honestly. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, more likely is, a veteran at one of those, and then either somebody from the draft or somebody from USA USL NASL at the other, which is not as good. Well, but maybe I'll, maybe they I'll can find name something out in, in Central um, America. The New York Cosmos uh, for like the last I want to say three or maybe even four seasons have had a uh, Spanish left back by the name of Ioze, who has been pretty much the best fullback in the NASL for almost all of that time. Um, He's, as far as I know, going to be looking for work. Um, I heard that he was out of contract, whether or not you get into the NASL's future altogether. If you assume that they will have a league and the Cosmos will play in it, he's still a player that could be out there. Um, now, Giovanni Savarese just signed uh, to be the head coach of the Portland Timbers. So I imagine there will be at least some interest because the Timbers left back situation was kind of ridiculous. Um, but you know, he's someone that's out there. And the other side of it would be a little bit of a warning watching Minnesota go from having um, Kevin Venegas and uh, Justin Davis were, if I'm not mistaken, they both made the best 11 in the NASL in 2015 or 2016. And they were the uh, NASL version of Minnesota's fullbacks. They were the right and left back. And now this winter, after one season in MLS, Minnesota has given up on both of them and left, left them, uh, I, I believe both were uh, option declines rather than out of contract, but they're not coming back. Um, so the, the NASL yeah. thing is very hit and miss. I mean, Christian Ramirez was great there and did very well in MLS, but um, Miguel Ibarra less so. Right. Um, so it, it's hit or miss, but I mean, that's, that's someone that I has been in the U S for years. He might even have a green card. I don't know that at all. It's just a thing that popped in my head right now. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, who is, Speaking of uh, NASL, where's what's his name? PC? Where's uh, he Orlando. playing now? He he spent Orlando. all last year with Orlando okay. and is, um, as far as I know, still uh, going to be. I think they renewed his deal, so I think he's still going to be there. Um, they did just sign 
Orlando signed uh, RJ Allen today. Um, but that's not really going to affect their left back situation unless they have an emergency because he's a right back who could fill in at left back rather than uh, like a Chris Corb could play either side with no real difference. Um, yeah, there, there are options out there, but American soccer is having a hard time producing high quality fullbacks that can do everything you need. And that's why you see this slow creep towards teams having uh, their fullbacks come from abroad. Seattle brought in Kelvin Leardem. Um, mid-season, he turned out to be a great signing. I mentioned Harrison Offal, who's been pretty spectacular since he came to the league. Um, and there's a reason for that. It used to be that you didn't spend any money at fullback because it was like, well, I could find a guy that can do that. But the game has changed, and you need your fullbacks to not just be guys that can run up and down the wing and do the defending. Um, they have to right. One of the one of more my thoughts during, yeah, one of my thoughts during MLS Cup in the first half when the game was more wide open than I think many people expected. Uh, was that both teams were playing through their fullbacks. They were both putting their fullbacks, or in the, the case of Toronto, their right. wingbacks, into space and getting them the ball in the middle third as part of the buildup. And every now and again, you would see them make a, a very fullback on the right. ball kind of play. As as talented as they were, they would make some bad turnovers either under pressure or just passing it poorly. And with, with DC United... Next year, there are some indications. Obviously, it's too early at this point. There are some indications, though, they might be a team that that wants to possess the ball a little more, wants to play the ball on the ground. And I think Nick DeLeon and Taylor Kemp are at either end of the the passing accuracy right. chart for DC United. Taylor Kemp, for, for a couple years now, has been the worst passer on the team, and Nick DeLeon almost never right. passes it to the other team. Let me team. throw another name since we're, we're – you mentioned TFC. Um, Steven Betashore is uh, eligible for MLS free agency and has not re-signed yet with Toronto FC. And I'm – like I just did a news search to even look for like are there rumors that talks have begun? I didn't see anything pointing towards them talking to him yet. And we're talking about a guy who has uh, – he won a double this year with TFC. He's won the supporter shield with San Jose – um, he's won a few cups in his time with Vancouver and TFC. I mean, his background is basically he's a part of very successful teams over and over again. And two very, I mean, the quakes of 2012 and TFC this year and last year are two very different styles of soccer. And he succeeded a, on both sides. Um, on top of, you said, a yeah, the shield year? and cup, uh, or no, I'm sorry. It's the triple because I forgot about the Canadian championship. Um, I was going to say, last week you were extolling no, so, its so, virtues. You know, this is a guy that's piled up one, two, seven trophies in the last five years or six years. He's th- what is he? Thir- he's, he's 30. 32? Um, so he's still 30. So it, it so it'd basically be like an exact yeah, he, Sean he turns 31 in the middle of the preseason. Um, so you're not necessarily signing uh-huh. him forever. Um, but he did not look like a player who was running out of gas or, or on the verge of losing a step uh, anytime soon. Um, and on top of that, he would be, I mean, he would be missing time with Iran's national team if he gets called back in because he is a dual citizen and they're going to the World Cup, unlike the United States. Um, so that that is a possibility that he could be on the radar, though he wasn't getting called in during their last uh, phase of qualifying, I don't think. Um, but still, um, when you're looking for guys that are proven MLS caliber players that could play this role at a high level, 
that are just out there. You don't have to do anything other than give them a deal that appeals to them. I mean, at the very least, that should be a phone call that's already been made because DC United needs fullbacks and he's out there and we know his track record is a guy that is on teams that don't just, you know, barely get into the playoffs and that's it. These are teams that really do well. Next position, Jason, where do you want to go next? I guess we have to, you know, I already mentioned it once and Adam called out the spoiler. I think we have to talk about uh, Stryker. Um, All right, before we, before we get into the Stryker, I think some, some context is important. And this is... No, context is never important. <laughs> this is in the weeds. So, you know, if you're a regular listener, this will be, be nice, comforting home <laughs> for you. Um. We're going to talk about Tam for a minute. Uh, targeted allocation money, the kind of Garber bucks that are only able to be spent on uh, semi-expensive players. Those who are DP above the DP threshold, but below a million and a half dollars a year. MLS has... I, f- I forget how much Tam is in the system at this uh, point. It's one point, you you have 1.2 coming to you. Uh, 1.2 million earmarked yes. for 2018. There's another 1.2 million dollars earmarked for 2019 that right. can be pulled forward. And now, just for 2018, there's another 2.8 million dollars. No, it's 2.8. In, I thought it was 2.8. 2.3. Okay, oh, okay. 2.8 million dollars in discretionary yes. TAM, which is TAM you buy from the league. You give cash to the league, and you get you know TAM back. And it, it can only be used in certain circumstances, but um, it, it's a good way to get impact players into your roster and to buy down the salary charge of designated players who are under a million and a half. And before this year, it was a million dollars. So there's actually now a broader range of players. So this is uh, another step. I won't say the first step, but another step away from parity above all else in MLS. This is going to separate some haves from some have-nots in MLS. And um, it's really likely that DC United is going to at least need a a DP quality, at least a TAM quality, if not a more than million and a half dollar a year striker for next year to compete with Toronto FC and the Sounders and NYC and Atlanta United who has never beaten DC United, but still had a, a better year than DC did last year. So that context being laid out, Jason, tell us about the four. Uh, I, I think United needs to look at what two successful teams in the East did last year. Uh, Atlanta went out and did the hard work of finding Joseph Martinez, who um it did take a little bit of creativity because he was playing more as a winger in a, in a three forward setup uh, in, in Italy. Um, but they figured out from his background before he moved to Italy uh, from his time playing for Venezuela, they figured it out that he was perfectly capable of playing as a center forward in Tata Martino's setup. And the success was obvious. I mean, his goals per 90 rate is preposterous. Um, the fact that he got injured is the only reason he wasn't probably, he probably would have won the golden boot if not for his injuries. Um, at the same time, the Chicago fire were, well, maybe not at the same time because uh, Atlanta had a full year to do their run up uh, and build the, uh, 
put in the groundwork before they made that kind of deal. Um, but the Chicago Fire went out and scouted Nemanja Nikolic. And even though the past history with strikers from Eastern Europe coming to MLS was not very good, um, they did enough work where they said, this guy is going to succeed in our system. And there's a golden boot winner. Um, and he only cost about $3 million, um, which in this era of MLS, now that we're talking about this discretionary TAM fund, um, the, TAM, the amount of TAM you get handed to you just for existing, um, that's not a prohibitive amount of money as a transfer fee. And, and Chicago did have to um, win on the salesmanship front because they did have to fend off, I, I believe it was Hull City or somebody like that, um, some English championship team. Uh, was also interested in paying roughly the same amount of money, and Chicago had to sell uh, Nikolic on coming to MLS over just landing somewhere in in England or wherever. Um, but you know, United just recently managed to talk Soltan Stieber into coming here rather than signing for uh, I think it was FC Twente in the Eredivisie. So um, it's not like they haven't done that before. And I think the makeup of this team. I've been I've got a note to myself to write an article that that would line this uh, outline this much more in detail, but um, the makeup of DC United's midfield and their whole roster right now points to needing a guy that scores a ton. You, this isn't a team that's going to be all that good. If they've got the like 14, 15 goal kind of player, I think they need to shoot for someone that can do better than that because they don't have too many goal scorers in their midfield. Um, and for that, that midfield could succeed, but you've got to have somebody that's just putting the chances away left and right. Um, so they're going to need to use this discretionary TAM. Um, they can't just use some of it. They can't just be like, well, well you know, we'll use a little here, a little there. Um, I think they need to put as much of this as they can reasonably afford uh, towards the striker position, because I think if they do that, we've, this is a team that could actually make some noise uh, once you f- if you fill out the rest of the roster appropriately. Um, but if they nickel and dime it, um, if they decide to just use the existing TAM and that's it, and they get, you know, a Hamdi Salihi kind of player, they might end up finding themselves more like um, maybe like a 2009 or 2011 vintage DC United that doesn't do badly, uh, but misses the playoffs and is generally like, wow, if only we had like one or two more pieces, we might've been able to get there. Um, and I don't think that's the way you introduce yourself, uh, you, or you reintroduce yourself to the, the region, which is, this is their one shot at this with the new stadium. This is a, a once in 20, 30 year opportunity, but they have to actually look at it as an opportunity rather than just a thing you take for granted. Um, and the best the best way they can do that on the soccer side is finding someone who has scored a ton of goals. Um, and the league's rules happen to have been changed at a, an ideal time if they seize it. If they don't, then, I mean, we already know Atlanta is going to use every cent of that. Um, NYCFC is probably going to use a lot of that money. Uh, Toronto definitely Toronto, will have no problem using, and, and not like they need to add anything to their roster, but they'll have no problem turning that roster and then adding a player of that kind of value, or maybe two or three players of that kind of value. Um, Orlando, Orlando is yeah, and one Orlando thing about looking Tam to replace is, Kaka. Um, so. Well, Tam, remember Tam has a, a maximum level. You can only go up to players making one and a half million right. on it. So Kaka, Jovinko, Michael Bradley, those guys yeah, aren't but, but eligible. Orlando has a for, huge hole for in their Tam. roster on the attacking but, end that 
someone is right. going to be filling. And so you can, it, it really gives you flexibility yeah. as far as paying a DP salary out of pocket or going with TAM. And one thing with TAM is you can actually buy the, the salary hit. I said this is going to be in the weeds. Uh, you can buy the salary hit down to 150K, I think. So not just to the around 500K. You can actually spend an extra $350,000 of TAM, essentially, to buy back salary cap space, which allows you to spend more money on your your baseline players, yeah. not TAM or DP, just your regular right. Joes. Um, and so that's another use of TAM that's, I, I think, a little bit underrated honestly, is freeing up roster space um, or roster budget salary cap space for mm-hmm. other players uh, that, that aren't making that level. And so you can get a guy who's below the the max budget hit that you wouldn't have been able to afford with just regular allocation money by spending TAM in the right places on those higher end players. So do you guys, uh, related to strikers, do you guys want to hear a really bad stat that make like... I didn't realize it was this bad, and it makes me much more depressed. And it just confirms the fact that we that the team needs a new 15 to 20 goal scorer. I don't want to hear this, but I don't see how I have a choice. So DC United scored 31 goals last year. That's pretty bad. Guess, guess how many goals the New York Red Bulls scored, the sixth place, the last playoff team uh, in, in the East? 54? A lot more than 31. Yeah. Fifty-three, so twenty-two more goals over the course of the season. Hey, that's Nemanja Nikolic, <laughs> or yeah, or in yeah. Red Bulls' case, um, Bradley Wright. Yeah, yes. that, I mean, that says it all. DC United should not go to League One to right. get. Don't don't a assume no, you're the Philadelphia no. Union and you can just sign a different League One striker and it will work the same. Um, do assume you're the Philadelphia it, it, Union yes. and learn the lesson they should have learned. And, Don't assume that you're and, getting. And it's also right kind of funny that you know I mentioned the Chicago Fire having very a lot of success with uh, scouting Nikolic from an Eastern European league. They went back that route and ended up with David Arshakian. So um, who also was yes, whom they parted ways. Yes, um, with so today. it's not like Chicago is a scouting genius. It's their hit or miss. Um, and obviously, on one front, they had a tremendous hit, and the other one was a complete and ridiculous miss. Um, United needs to make sure that wherever they go looking for their four, and I, you know, I've, I've said before, I'm I'm league agnostic. I just want good players, um, but they've got to make sure that this is not a questionable player, a player that doesn't necessarily fit the system, like Salihi or um, a guy who has that League One pedigree, like Danny Alsop did at the time. Um, Remember back in the distant past when having Man City on your roster was not or on your resume was not impressive. Uh, that's that's Danny Alsop who played for <laughs> Manchester City. Um, yeah, um, it's this is a it's a big big it's it's probably the single biggest thing they can do this entire offseason is um, whether their striker signing they've talked about and it's not like we're saying they need to and they haven't said anything. They have said they're going to do this. They're going to pursue it anyway. Um, it needs to be a hit. Um, that there's more pressure on that than any other single move they're going to make. Because if this team doesn't add a forward and, you know, Mullins, uh, we have one very good half season and one very bad full season from him. So we don't, we can't say for sure what he's going to do. Um, we have a solid track record on Darren Maddox that he's not a guy that's going to produce more than 
10 goals if he's your full-time starter. Um, that's not going to do it. Uh, this team isn't going to be very good if that's the best they can do. Um, now, maybe if Mullins plays to his ceiling again, maybe. But that's, you know, we obviously can't bank on that. So um, this is the the defining thing of this entire offseason is can you find a striker who can deliver goals at, at a high level? Um, maybe if it's not necessarily a golden boot competitor, so be it. Um, but uh, it, it's also interesting to think about what they're going to be looking for um, in a, what, what their striker actually needs to be uh, capable of. What is his style of play? Because I don't think a Ben Olsen team wants a, I mean, they take a, a Martinez clone, for example, but that's not necessarily the kind of player that fits the style of play Olsen wants, ideally, because he's not that big. Uh, he's not really a guy that does a lot of hold-up play. He likes to run um, frequently. It's all he's really trying to do is run the channels and, and get in behind. Um, I think United needs to be looking more in the Fernando Adi style of play, um, but they need to be looking yeah. for a player that's more consistent and more durable, quite frankly, than, than Adi. Um, yeah. Because that's the other thing is if they sign a Martinez class striker, but he has a Martinez class uh, injury history, then United might miss the playoffs just from the fact that their star signing only played 18, 19 games. Can we go back in time and somehow sign Josie Altador? No, because we're not going to have the money. Or are you talking past? about going back and drafting him before the Red Bulls did? Actually, I'm sorry. Before well, the Metro too, Stars, but also did because we, technically we just, he was drafted by the Metro Stars right before they became the Red yeah. Bulls. Can we go back okay. in time with our now money and use that future money to Dude, sign? Josie you're looking at a, a looper kind of scenario. Was... Like we're strapping the money to us in a, a gold vest uh, or gold bar vest, and then going back in time, or just a do- or just or just a Doctor Who situation where oh, we can okay, just jump around time willy nilly. Because in Looper, you, you go back in time and yeah. someone tries to shoot you immediately. So that's no good. Um, you have to survive that first. And then yeah, no, after that, that person comes after you. And it's it's someone that looks suspiciously like you. Instead, we're just going to somehow end up with a bootstrap parrot, uh, oh, no. paradox. <laughs> and as we all know, gold is uh, soft and so probably wouldn't be good for blocking bullets. I mean, even if it's strapped to if you. If it's thick enough, They're gold bars, I mean... You could you could survive one shot, but the idea is don't get shot uh, in your time travel scenario. Try and avoid getting shot. Yes, I think that's that's a good point. And on that point, we'll take a quick break and come back. And we've gone through two positions. We have the rest of the the field to get through in this next segment. So um, please come back. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean. Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We definitely weren't talking about Gremlins Christmas Caroling during the break. Uh, it's time now to move on. We talked about fullbacks. We've talked about forwards. We've talked about TAM. There are several other positions that DC United needs to address. That make up a soccer team. Yes, that make up a soccer team. And coincidentally, that DC United has a need to address this offseason. Uh, I want to talk about center backs right now because this was a position after the season that that I think we all agreed needed some attention. Uh, DC United had Steve Birnbaum, Kofi Opari, and Jalen Robinson coming back. Uh, they traded Bobby Boswell during the season. Um, and we thought a TAM-level player would make a lot of sense there. Uh, they didn't get a TAM-level player uh, during the four-hour trade window uh, leading up to the expansion draft, DC United traded for Frederick Briant, uh from NYCFC, uh, actually traded for his rights and then negotiated a new deal with him. Uh, he's on the older side. He This might end up being his last contract. Um, I'm not totally sure that I consider the... I would consider the, the center back position closed at this point with those four guys there uh i would still like to see a tam level player especially with 10 to 12 open roster slots right now having a fifth center back is not necessarily a bad thing uh in in a league with the travel demands of mls and having a top line starter to go with those guys and then having those four guys compete for uh the second center back spot i think would be a very nice thing to have that would be a good position for dc united going into 2018 I don't know that I think the team is going to do that, though. No, I think when they signed my, – my read of it is when they signed Frederick Briant and the uh, language that they were using, it seems like unless something falls into their lap that they're content with going into that – going into 2018 with uh, Briant, Birnbaum, and Opare competing for the top three spots uh, which disappoints me. I was hope like you, I was hoping for a – higher level signing uh, than Briand. I'm sure he's a fine player. I mean, not I'm sure. I, I know he's a fine player. And it, it, this move uh, reeks of the Bobby Boswell move a couple of years ago. Um, but I was hoping for higher sights uh, on the center back signing. Yeah. In 2014, Bobby Boswell was the runner up for defender of the year. I don't think anybody is expecting that from Briant right now. And I think that's the level of player we should be looking for. We should be looking for a golden boot candidate up top, and we should be looking for a defender of the year candidate, especially with all the TAM that is is existing in MLS, including discretionary TAM. Uh, 
I, I just think there's no reason not to try to find that player yep. going into 2018. So this is this is a position where you know I'm almost preemptively a little disappointed, which is not my default position at all. I'm the optimist, and I'm not I'm not feeling the decision making right now. I'm hoping to be proven wrong. Yeah, and I think there's there's some room to still hope that there's going to be more there. Um, I would be disappointed that or if we come around on March, uh, the early March, the first week of March is I assume when the uh, opener is going to be um, unless MLS goes crazy on us. Um, but yeah, if we come around at that point of the, the, uh, the calendar and we're still looking at um, Briant, Burnbaum and, and Opare fighting for the two starting, starting spots, which is what it looks like right now, that would be a letdown. Um, I don't think that uh, personally, I feel like if you want to build a team that attacks and attacks the way that DC United wants to, which I, I assume they want to get back to the formula, r- roughly the formula of late 2016. Um, the issue there, when you're running up and down, you're playing that track meet style of soccer, your center backs need to be able to win their battles over and over again. They need to be active, not, not just, guys that do well uh, here and there, but they've got to do a lot. It's a demanding job. And and I personally think you can't really build a successful attacking team uh, that is going to win games without looking at center backs really high up because you, you're you going to leave those guys out uh, to dry a lot of times. They've got to be able to do it without that much help. Um, and while I think Briant improves the team, I don't think he improves them by so much that you can just plug him in next to burn bomb and, and move on and move your attention to other spots on the field. Um, I think United does need to look at, especially at a TAM level player. Um, we've seen some teams do some uh, bring in some big players at that price point at, at center back. Uh, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, I believe is a TAM mm-hmm. level player. Uh, Laurent Simon is a TAM level player. Um Yellow Van Dama didn't really work out to the extent of those two, but I believe he was also a TAM level player and he's coming, he was coming in as a, he was getting called in for Belgium still when he moved here, even after, even for a little while after he was in MLS, he was still getting call-ups. Um, that's a big deal. Um, and those guys didn't cost too much money um, and didn't break the salary cap of the teams that brought them in. Um, and that's what United should be striving for. Now, if they, haven't touched base with anyone like that, or if they tried and, you know, it didn't work out and they were like, okay, what else can we do? Um, you know, at least if we found out that was true later in the, you know, later in the off season, it'd be like, okay, they knew what the problem was. They tried to address it. They just didn't make it work. That's a different problem. Um, but right now I think they need to look at signing a guy that's better than anyone else they have. Um, and then, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you then, you know, you end up with a fifth center back and maybe Kofi Opare becomes tradable. You can get something pretty good for Kofi Opare. Um, if you end up with five center backs and one unsigned player is currently the undisputed starter and you assume Burnbaum is going to recover his form and get ahead of Briant, um, then gr- that's great. Briant being the, th- the third guy on the team, that's a pretty great situation to be in. Um, but to enter the season as is would be, I think it's a, it's an unnecessary roll of the dice on those players all coming through um, because we had we were coming off of a season where Burnbaum was a, a really big disappointment. Um, 
he was nowhere near his best for really for the entire year. I don't think he had a single game where he played at his best. Um, and that's something that needs to be resolved. Is he going to bounce back or is this just a thing that's going to be the way it is from now on? I mean, we don't really have a track record with a guy going from where he was at the end of 2016 to where he is now. Um, so it's hard to say what, what is he going to do? Is he going to bounce back? Is it going to be somewhere in the middle? Um, I assume somewhere in the middle is the most likely of those, but um, it's an awfully, it, it seems like an awfully big bet to place on like, no, he'll be, he'll be back to normal and better than ever. Um, that would be an awfully big bet to place as a team. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to see the, that some of that discretionary TAM go towards this position because as much as I talked about how the striker position has to be the biggest concern, this isn't all that far behind because if this team just mm-hmm. becomes a team that can score a ton of goals but can't really defend any better than they did last year, then we're probably still talking about a team that finishes seventh or eighth in the East and misses out. Maybe it's more fun. Um, I mean, if you're going to miss the playoffs, you'd rather be the team that scores a ton of goals in the process, um, even though that also means more emotional aggravation and tearing of hair and all that. Um, But yeah, uh, if you want to be a team that makes the playoffs uh, and you want to be a team that plays that style of soccer that we saw in 2016 uh, when United was actually scoring a lot and being su- successful uh, at the end of games, you've got to be able to defend and it, it starts at center back. And right now I think that, I think they've got a center back duo that could do well in a sit deep, uh, absorb pressure and then hit on the break kind of style. But if they want to be, we're just going to go toe to toe with you and whoever scores the most at the end wins. I don't think this is going to hold up. Ben, what's our next position? Um, let's see. I'm going to go with backup attacking midfielder. Okay. Lucho Acosta is our starter. I, I, I don't think and there's really, really, really anything I guess, anybody can say to that. And I guess really it'd be the three of the four, two, three, one. Okay. So all three of them. There's going to be interplay. There's going to be interplay. There, sure. So right well right now it looks like Zoltan Stieber is probably Lucho Acosta's backup at the number 10, uh, right. which opens a question. Who is Zoltan Stieber's backup? And for that matter, who is Paul Ariola's backup? And they're all named Nick DeLeon. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, they might be. At which point who plays right back? So Nick this is the problem you run into when you have 18 players on your roster. You have, you have a game day 18 that, that even then might be a little bit um, unbalanced. Actually, you know what? Five forward or three forwards, uh, six defenders, two goalkeepers. That's actually, it's actually a pretty balanced game day. No, 18. I, I worked through it at one point and realized that it actually is, it's not ideal by any means, but as far as making sense as a game day 18, it's like, Oh, there's all the possessions. All the positions are more or less filled um, off the yep. bench. You can, you can get there. But yeah, so re- really right now, the first two subs in attacking midfield are in any order. Uh, well, actually just one sub bringing Darren Maddox on and moving and either replacing him like for like with uh sh- for Stieber or Ariola or taking out Lucho Acosta and moving Stieber into the middle and Maddox out wide. And so there needs to be at least one more player, probably. And, and I guess you could also go Miranda in the, in one of the outside positions as well, mm-hmm. but there needs to be at least one more player in the middle. I feel like, or one more player across the board to allow Ben Olsen some various 
moves to make uh, and things to do with that with that group of people. Yeah, especially because Lucho Acosta is pretty central to what DC United is planning to do. Um, he was really, really key to that late 2016 run. The team is built around him for all intents and purposes. Um, Ariola and Stieber both complement him really, really well. And there's not a natural backup for Acosta, which is a big deal because Acosta is not going to be playing on opening day. He's right. And, he's and he also, so he spent all of 2017 playing through an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I assume that his time, he hasn't, there hasn't been anything about him needing a surgery. So I assume his off season is based on staying fit, but also preserving his ankle. Um, so that it can heal on its own without being pushed too hard. Um, but, you know, it's just it's a thing that he has to think about now for who knows how long. If you have an, an ankle injury that just carries on for a year, um, that there's a chance that that could leave damage that you're just stuck with. Um, so he's going to need games where he's rested. I mean, most of the players on the team are going to need games that they're rested when you've got um, a schedule that's going to be as road heavy as DC's is going to be. Um so there's multiple reasons to need a, you, you need more than just, well, we'll just move Stieber over. I personally, I think that that's a great solution for a game here, a game there. Um, I think Stieber is perfectly capable of playing that role and you bring in Maddox or uh, Miranda. I think that's fine. But what, you know, what happens when um, you end up needing Zoltan to take a rest? What, what do you do then? Um, or do, what happens do, when Zoltan is, solidly better than Maddox and Miranda and needs to stay out wide because that's his best position. It, it could be that it could be, you know, he could get called in for international duty by Hungary. Not that they're going to the world cup, but they might be a world cup, uh pre world cup friendly opponent for a few teams. Um, so that's a concern. Um, and we know that the team has told Julian Boucher, they don't want him back. Um, so the natural answer is off the table and there aren't really any other solutions. I, I mean, as as comprised right now, the solution would probably be moving Ian Harks yeah. up there, which we know isn't his best spot. And then you end up with Canals and Jeffrey underneath, and you're having to play a very or defensive. Or Chris Durkin. Or, or Chris or Durkin. Chris Durkin. You're, you're ending up with no matter what setup that is. Um, and DeLeon actually, now that we're since we're talking about him and his versatility – did spend some minutes as a late game sub as a number 10 while United tried to protect the lead in 2017. So if you do um, force him off of the starting 11, that is one bonus is that you get to use him as a sub wherever you damn well, please. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Um, But no, I I think um, the team probably needs to find some way to address that. Now the elephant in the room when we're talking about this line of three is that, Eric Williamson is the rumored uh, homegrown target. It's been rumored for a long time that DC United wants to sign him. Whether he wants to sign, who knows, though this year I think maybe the chances of that have gone up a little bit. We're a year past his um, biggest showcase with the youth national team, and he's still he played college soccer. He, Steve Goff has reported he already hired an agent, so he can't play any more college soccer. Um he could play any of those three positions, and he definitely spent a lot of this year as an attacking midfielder. Um, I'm still convinced that he projects as a wide player in United's setup, um, but that's not to say that he couldn't play that central role as well. And then you have a third option, and then you don't really have to worry about it so much. 
Um, he doesn't cover depth for that whole. I mean, he adds depth at all three positions. It doesn't cover the entire group. You probably need one more player in there. If you've got Maddox and Miranda um, as speed options uh, to come off the bench, you've got Stieber, Ariola, and Acosta as your starters. Um, Williamson definitely adds something that um, the backups in that group don't have. Um, he's he's much more clever than uh, I would say than than Maddox or Miranda at this point. Um, but I think you still need one more player that wants to be out. I think you need a, a true winger to come in um, because Miranda sort of is a forward who can play wide. Maddox is definitely a forward who can play wide. Um, Williamson is more like a more like Zoltan Stieber and Lloyd Sam and a guy that wants to come in and combine a little bit more. Um, so I think they still need that one more player and I th- they're going to need to look for someone that's more like Paul Areola. Right. And Lloyd um, Sam, you mentioned his name. He's a guy who's not on the roster right now who, who could be back. I don't know if that's anybody. It, it, possible, that's not but- necessarily the ideal at this point. He's, you know, he's, he's on the downslope of his career and you know, he's, it's been a pretty good career, at least in MLS for him. But I don't know that he's a guy you want to, bring on in 2018 to push those guys. I mean, on the other hand, his production didn't really drop off when he became more of a sub. Um, He was, he was able to make a difference as a sub. Um, And as a sub, he's not having, you know, he's approaching his mid thirties now. Um, But as a sub, he's not having to play 90 minutes um, and then bounce back and have to play again midweek, which is probably going to happen more often to DC than most teams this coming year. Um, or bounce back and then have to travel cross country and play the next weekend, whatever it is. Um, I think they could get away with bringing him back and it be a solid one year option yeah, I think um, it- as a a sub. But you know, maybe he starts five or six games. But if he ends up starting ten or so, then you start to get into a questionable territory. I think Lloyd Sam coming back just depends on how they fit together the fit together the rest of the roster. And if they're spending big money at a lot of other positions, then maybe it makes more sense for Lloyd Sam to come back. But if they stumble into a bigger money uh, winger or attacking midfielder, then maybe Sam doesn't come back. Yeah, it depends on how much, you know, does Sam want to come back for the price tag that is involved? Um, You know, does he have other options? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of that. We'll see in a couple Um, of days with the re-entry draft stage too. Right. I mean, if another team comes in on, on Thursday, we're recording on Monday. So it'll be um, probably two days after you hear this, if you hear it right away or deep in the past, if you listen to this sometime (laughs) far in the future, for reasons unknown, if you do let us know, let let future us know. Well, if you're listening to this in 3018, you, uh, when we have all ascended into the singularity, uh, just like mind beam that to us. (laughs) <laughs> just let us know let our uh, our brain energies yeah. know or whatever it would be um but yeah th- sam i think that's an interesting situation to watch because he could be the solution um but at the same time that doesn't necessarily address m- my concern that you need someone like Ariola who can provide mm-hmm. real width um and speed in th- those positions um if, you know, worse comes to worse and it's, you know, sign someone like Sam or sign someone like Sebastian Latou as of last winter, then I would say, OK, take Sam and, you know, it won't be ideal, but but it's the best case scenario in this particular circumstance. 
Um, but I'd still prefer to see United pursue someone who can step in for Ariola and offer maybe not his uh, quite his level of play, but someone who plays a similar style of game and maybe is just a little little less good. Um, and that's someone that you can find in the draft. We've seen teams come up with uh, wingers of that caliber from the draft, and may- maybe you don't um, you don't want to use the number three pick on a player that's just going to be Paul Ariola's backup. Um, for very specific situations, but maybe you trade down and get your guy a little later in the draft and also get something else out of it. Um, but that's more of a strategic concern overall, because I, I personally, I'm kind of talking myself into the trade down concept overall, but um, we'll see. Before Briant came, I thought maybe not, but now that they've addressed it, that spot on the roster with someone, then maybe you can get away with trading down and getting your your backup speedster winger. Um, there's a, there's all kinds of other X factors. There we've could also, be some other. We've players. also seen that that teams um, are willing to part with a lot of money for a top three draft pick on draft day, which yeah. is a little Especially bit weird. Still, but, like NYCFC, yeah. um, a team that you never would have thought would have been a build through the draft kind of team. Um, two years in a row have found an attacking player through the draft that they were willing to part with a lot to get. Um, Jack Harrison is now first choice for them. Jonathan Lewis somehow didn't get that many minutes last year, which is weird because he was very good. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely the possibility of trading down and getting a lot in exchange and still being able to get a player that suits the roster. Um, because I'm not sure that the draft has anyone where I'm like, that's a guy you've got to take for this team. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, the draft day might be very interesting um, or it might be completely boring and they might just take uh, a player at number three that everyone says they're going to take. Um, that's the, the magic I say in quotes of the draft is that it could be pretty much anything. We know Dave Casper's willing to make a deal. Um, that's how Buescher came here was a uh, United traded up to get him. Um, but but he's also not going to make a, he's also pretty, I'll, I'll give him credit. He's pretty savvy on, on draft day. Yeah, he's not he's not going to make a deal because he panics and it's draft day and everyone freaks out and starts making deals. He's going to make a pretty reasonable deal. I think all of his draft day trades have been like, okay, that makes sense. And you look back on it and say, okay, that was a a reasonable move, even with Buescher not working out, for example. At the time, his stock was very high and getting him at 11 was like, well, that's a pretty good deal. Or he may do Um, a thing like he did in 2011 where everyone thought he might be trading or doing something weird and then he did the sensible thing and took Perry Kitchen. Right. Or you just trade back one spot and get a good deal of money um, from Vancouver after you basically tell Vancouver, hey, Philadelphia offered us this much, would you offer us more? Um, And then, or no, it was the other way around. Um, Yeah. But still, you know, you find these teams that are freaking out over something and work them against each other um, and there's a big benefit to that. And the number three overall pick still has major value. Um, so that's something we'll see in the future, but I think the draft could be a way to address the, um, speed issue in, uh, as far as the wide midfield positions, because the current set, I mean, Maddox is very fast. Miranda is very fast, but those guys want to slash in. And at some point, if Ariel is out, you run out of ways to provide width. If you don't have someone that's willing to stay out wide and Maddox certainly isn't that guy, um, making Stieber do that takes away from his game. Miranda, maybe he could adapt to it, maybe not, but that's still asking a lot for a guy that's going to be 20 years old this season. Um, So it's something to look out for anyway, is that 
that backup speed winger that actually stays out wide. I want to talk about central midfield next. And this actually was, was touched on a little bit with uh, the Acosta backup. Uh, right now, I think we know that, that Canals is going to be starting in defensive midfield, no matter what formation DC United plays. Um, there, I, there's, I think some question about who starts next to him. It's probably Ian Harks right now or, or, Ian Hark starts next to Lucho in front of Canals if they they change the formation slightly. But it could be that Chris Durkin is going to start next to him and he's that far along. Or it could be that, you know, if if Harks doesn't show up completely ready to go in preseason, it could be that Jared Jeffrey works his way back into the the starting eleven because he's still under contract. Um or there could be a a new player coming in. And and my question to you, Ben, is knowing that we have two homegrown players kind of as the the first two names for this one spot next to Knaus, would you want to see a high-level player brought in? Because Ian Harks is still just a second-year player. Durkin is still a teenager. There were rumors that before Knaus came in that, that Gary Medell or Nigel DeYoung were, were targets of DC United. If there was a, you know, a, a Tam or better level number eight on the team's radar, how would you feel? If it's a Tam level, well, I mean, it, it depends if it's a Tam level, if it's Tam level or higher, I probably, I say make the deal and do it because you've got to get better now. And a Tam level player or a DP uh, or a high high DP level player is better than uh, Ian Harks or Chris Durkin at this point right now. So you need that going into your first season at Audi Field. You need that trying to rebuild from an awful season. That's something you just need to go forward with and do. Um, if they're targeting someone more in the Frederick Briant level, I would say go with Durkin and Harks and let them battle it out and figure it out from there because I don't know if that's a big enough improvement to be worth it but a TAM level player like you're talking somebody making they're targeting $800,000 with that player is going to be uh, better enough for the 2018 season that I think you have to do it yeah I mean I, I guess my concern would be like are we using up the rest of the TAM at this position that we already have a promising player at. Right. I mean, um, and it all, and it all depends so, on, then, yeah, exactly what they've used in other yeah. positions as well. Right. Like if, if they come in without addressing center back and it's just, all right, all right, we used a bunch of TAM on a striker and then the rest of the TAM that we have sitting around is going to go towards this, this central midfield and we're not going to address any of the other issues. Then I would say, no, this was a bad idea. Um, but I do have my concerns about uh, the team's record with Harks on the field in terms of their overall ability to defend being pretty poor. I don't, I don't put it yeah. all on Harks, um, but certainly there's enough of a pattern there where you've got to say that he needs to improve that side of and his that's game. That's why I kind of lean towards um, a it, it, like with the team right now. I would lean towards a Canals Durkin starting partnership in central midfield if the team was just the team right now. Yeah, I mean, that would be, I think that's still asking yeah. an awful lot. 
of um, of, of Durkin at this point because we don't actually know what he looks like in MLS play. We don't know really where he is um, and if he's actually ready to if, – if, if he's even in the, the setting where he can blossom as a player, which if he is, then, yeah, you've got to give him minutes and take your lumps some of the time as a result. All, um, all, all I will say hand, is that he was you know, definitely – usually one of the two best players on the field in USL last year when he played. Right. Um, which which is a, a good starting point for someone his age, and it certainly would be disappointing if we just don't see yeah. him play. Um, that would be bizarre. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, the defensive usage stats point to a, a good reason why Marcelo Sarvas was getting uh, games, uh, even down the stretch when it was obvious DC wasn't going to the playoffs. Um, they were still putting him in and I, I still take it as more of a lesson to Harks that like, you need to adapt that part of Marcelo's game. Basically the team needs to rehire Um, Davey Arno as an assistant and start the blood transfusions with Harks at a younger age than Sarvas got them. I'm still convinced that's how they got Sarvas to do that. Um, but yeah, I, if if they address that, I mean, they they still they're probably going to need some kind of depth at number eight, you know, just because there's Durkin and Canals and Jeffrey and Harks. I think there's still room for one more um, in that part of the field, and whether it's a starter, you know, if they can find a way to f- address their other problems and add um, someone that Ian Harks has to climb over to get his starting job, then that's great. Um, if if everyone's having to earn those minutes, then that's perfect. Um, but that's, I mean, the shopping list is long and there's not a lot of time. Um, so that might be a position that they say, like, we can't address this in the winter. We've got bigger fish to fry. Um, and in that case, then, you know, Harks and Durkin and Jeffrey to a certain extent are going to have to play those extra minutes and be good enough for the time being that maybe come summer, they can find someone that can be that kind of Tam level player in that spot as well. Um, but it, you know, a lot of it depends on budgeting. If they blow the budget, but address center forward and center back, then I can live with, um, the number eight role going, you know, Harks, Jeffrey Durkin and someone else they pick up maybe on the re-entry level or free agency, something like that. So be it. Um, but they, I mean, they should be at least looking for a way to make the budget stretch enough that they can cover all three of those roles without having to just leave one for the future. Yeah, especially between, obviously, we're spending money that doesn't belong to us personally, but with the DP, with the new revenue coming in from the, the stadium and, and not paying rent at RFK, more designated players look like an option, especially given the, the deadline day the team had with Ariola and Stieber and Miranda and Knaus, you know, you want to see more spending out of the owner's pocket there. And on top of that, you have all the TAM and the discretionary TAM, which also comes out of the owner's pocket, but you, you want to see these resources being used, whatever the position might be forward, center back, central midfield, wherever. Um, We have two positions left to talk about, so, so Jason, I'll I'll let you decide which one we'll do first: goalkeeper or defensive midfield. We we touched on um, defensive we midfield. Of, we basically we basically discussed it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll call that right. done. Um, um, 
I guess, I guess just, yeah. just let's, before let's we do that, to finish defensive midfield, we're all comfortable with Russell Knauss as the starter at DM. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Goalkeepers then. Steve Clark, Travis Wara are in. Bill Hamid obviously gone to Michelin in the, the Danish league. Uh, wishing him all the best. He gets to start, you know, actually playing potentially next month. It's still not January yet, so he's he's not actually completed that transfer officially. His, con- his, yeah, his contract hasn't yeah. begun yet. Um, so Bill Hamid was obviously a huge part of DC United over the last several years, made the team. He, he was the team's best player. There's There's no other way to put it. He kept the team in games they shouldn't have been in and put them in position to steal results they had no business stealing. Steve Clark is not that level of shot stopper. Um, He provides some things that Bill Hamid maybe didn't in possession as far as uh, a little bit of sweeper keeper or, or, you know, acting as um, an extra outlet in possession. Travis Wara is, is Travis Wara at this point. I think we all want to see another, starting level goalkeeper come in to compete with Clark, if not to supplant Clark. Do, do uh, Might we say that we want to see Clark and or Wara ousted from the starting position? Right now, well, the reporting is that Wara is envisioned as the, the third string goalkeeper. And so a- the, the issue is whether you want someone who is obviously better than Clark or on roughly the same level as Clark, or somewhere in between Clark and Wara. That was a bad David Oosted joke, by the way. Oh, ousted. I I missed it. I got it, Ben. I I know you did, Jason. I'm going to be over here in the Um, shame corner while you guys discuss (laughs) what you want to see out of goalkeepers. Well, it's it's good that Ben brought... brought that up because we happen to it if you ever needed a time to to find a solid mls experienced mls proven goalkeeper to replace someone like bill hamid there happens to be a surplus on goalkeepers like that we had several guys end up uh losing their starting job for in some cases questionable reasons or in some cases just being uh on the team with some younger player with a higher ceiling um when I think of this, I know I, I've seen a ton of our commenters, um, people on Twitter mentioning uh, David Osted over and over again. My thought is more towards Clint Irwin, yes, um, me too. who had the who had the bad you know the bad luck of being on a team that drafted Alex Bono, who turned out to blossom maybe a year or two earlier than expected. Um, that's not really that Irwin was bad. It's just that Alex Bono has you know he's one of those guys that's now. Uh, getting mentioned for and for solid reasons as someone who might be able to be in the conversation with the national team in a couple of years. Um, but that doesn't mean that Irwin is somehow no good anymore. It just means that he maybe has a limited ceiling compared to Bono, but that doesn't mean that that's bad. Um, I think he's at least as good as Steve Clark. Um, and I think if United is serious about what they've said over and over is that they want a real they want real competition for that job and that means it can't just be someone with you know 15 20 mls starts and it's like oh it's real quote unquote competition and everyone rolls their eyes and knows that that guy is the backup and clark is going to be the starter i think they should be looking for genuine 
authentic competition where Clint Irwin and Steve Clark are fighting for the job. And they're both, these are both guys that have gone to the playoffs as starters on MLS teams in recent years. Um, to me, that's the ideal. Well, yeah. uh, Especially since uh, DC United, despite their record some of these years, we have been incredibly spoiled by the play of Bill Hamid and coming back down to earth with even just a above average, even if we ended up with just an above average MLS goalkeeper, that's still such a step down from Bill Hamid that we need to uh, foster competition and foster excellence as much as possible. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the the difference between Hamid and all the other options in MLS are already, it's a major drop. Um, so that you don't want to come through on the other side and not at least push from below that and say like, all right, we're not going to be able to get up to that level, but at least push from the bottom and try and get what you've got as good as it can be. Um, and so guys like Clint Irwin, guys like David, David Osted's also very good. Um, I can't remember, I don't think he has... Um, any kind of green card protection though. So you're talking about an international spot going to a goalkeeper, which right now I don't think is a good idea unless you're finding someone that's just over the top good, like an Andre Blake well, level I, player. I, then, and I okay. feel like Clint Irwin is but, gonna be cheaper enough that it make a difference too, because I feel like Osted can be I feel like his his, yeah, his, his salary, salary is, pretty is high. like apparently the rumor well what he claimed was that people wanted to make him a TAM level goalkeeper and i feel like that's too much to spend on i mean osted is good but he's not that good yeah and i also think that this year maybe he lost his spot um to marinovic based on a little bit of them thinking marinovic is going to be better down the road and a little bit of osted not being at his old level yeah um but uh yeah i think we've got a we've got a setup where those two guys are still out there um, a team that needed a goalkeeper like the LA Galaxy already, well, they didn't sign David Bingham. They traded for the possibility of signing David Bingham, which uh, if they if they <laughs> fail at making that work out would be the most hilarious thing. I mean, the well, Galaxy the most, have already The most gone hilarious from, thing since we got Kofi Apari. Yeah, and, and before, yeah, the, the Sasha Kleschen disaster where they thought for sure they were going to get him and then made moves that ended up not doing anything for them. Um, Except give us Kofi Apari. No, yeah, it benefited DC United, but uh, the Galaxy, it turns out the Galaxy's front office isn't very good. Hey, they um, just extended and, Chris Klein. Thank you very much. Yes. For what, five uh, more years? Uh, yeah, five years uh, for the LOL Galaxy. Turning, uh, yeah, um, which is bizarre because it, was, it wasn't that long ago where the Galaxy were very good and very wealthy. Um, but yeah. One team that definitely needed a goalkeeper has addressed their needs, at least in their own minds. Um, <laughs> so the goalkeeper market is strong, but there's not that much demand, which is a great sp- position to be in if you're DC United, where you don't have to make a move either. If, if you go to Clint Irwin and David Osted and they both say they want, you know, the, the max salary short of TAM, then you say, okay, that's probably not worth it. Um, we'll find someone that maybe is on the younger side that might in 2019 challenge Clark, but this year isn't quite there yet um, because those options are out there too. I mean, uh, Richard Sanchez with the uh, Chicago fire. I know that the fire are rumored to be um, talking to him about uh, basically his deal was a lot like Clark's where he signed on the minimum for 2018 and then had some sort of large uh, option renewal uh, salary jump and they're talking to him, but that hasn't been settled yet. 
Um, so someone like, I mean, that, that's Richard Sanchez is an American born uh, Mexico. I think he's played for their under 23s. Um, he definitely won the under 17 world cup for them. Um, he's played for their U 21. So um, that's someone that could get up to challenging Clark in a year or so. Um, but he's also someone that's just out there. Um, so it's a, it's a good time to be needing a goalkeeper. You're, we're not going to be able to replace Bill Hamid directly. Um, but there's still, there's no reason to settle for just having Clark and then having someone that's much more at Travis Wara's level. And you've got a battle for the backup job rather than a battle for the starting job. I think they do need to make it about the fight for the starting job. And if, if they can't find a direct challenger for this coming preseason, they need to make sure that they find someone that's going to be a challenger for uh, Clark's job in uh, the 2018 offseason because otherwise you're just sort of drifting along. And I think this team has learned quite a bit that you can't just drift along. Yeah. And one of the whole stories behind the stadium was putting the team in a position where they don't have to drift along, where they have more agency in their own affairs. Right. And it, I, I know I am far from alone in, in wanting to see as much evidence of, of that agency as is possible. And it's still very early. Obviously the team wasn't going to make signings from outside the league or solve every in league, you know, acquire every in league possibility during the four hour transfer window ahead of the expansion draft. So there's, there's still a lot of off season left. Um, and it would be great to see it put to, to good use. We made it through the whole field. Uh, every, every position I think we've covered now. Any other thoughts you guys want to get on the record before we get out of here? Because it's, it's getting pretty late. Please sign some players. <laughs> uh, you use as much of that discretionary TAM as you can. Um, if if next year it's not used to the maximum, I can live with it. But this year, if this is your one shot at restarting the whole thing, they've got to be aggressive with using that money. Yep. All right. That's it for us. Uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Also find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash filibuster is where you can support us financially if you, you know, if you're so inclined. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at black and red U for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, leave ratings and reviews at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, Internet Archive, where, wherever you find podcasts. We're probably there. Mostly the corner store, your uh, neighborhood bar. Yeah, we're probably there too. If not, put us there. Uh, Mostly though, tell a friend about us. When you're at the corner store or the neighborhood bar, tell the random stranger next to you about this podcast you you found yourself listening to, despite yourself. Uh, We really appreciate it when you do that. For Jason and Ben, we will talk to you real soon. Until then, say goodbye, Jason. I'm going to win a metal helmet in fantasy football.